Shit is crazy for young men and ladies. Situation shaky. Babies having babies. Strife in this matrix. It's not a nice true statement, but life's what you make it. Shit is crazy for young men and ladies. Situation shaky. Babies having babies. Strife in this matrix. It's not a nice true statement, but life's what you make it. A young boy who can't even reach the cabinets. His teenage mom is in the room having it. She drowns out his crying, turns the stereo up. The neighbor gave her some bucks to pick cereal up. Instead, yes. she got a couple Lucy's and a gossip mag. Welcome once again to another episode of Another Mediocre Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Capetta. You are currently listening to the sounds of New Jersey hip hop recording artist and producer extraordinaire in Richmond. That's his song, Perspective. This week, comedian Glenn Tickle stops by and talks about his best selling comedy album from last year and what he has in store in the future. And we'll even talk a little Star Wars Last Jedi. Now, this week, once again, another mediocre podcast is being brought to you by New Jersey Championship Baseball League. If you're ready to give up the old man softball and get back on the field to play hardball, these are the guys that you want to talk to. It's a new league starting up. I know the guys who run it personally. They're good guys. They're going to watch out for you. They're loyal. And most of all, they're professional. And you're going to go... You're going to play some baseball, and you're going to have fun, and these guys are going to help you do it. It's in the Bergen County area. If you're willing to play baseball in northern New Jersey, mostly in Bergen County, hit these guys up. The number is 201-290-0829. You can also find them on Facebook, New Jersey Championship Baseball. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome once again to another episode of Another Mediocre Podcast. Uh, the podcast is mediocre because I'm pretty mediocre and I don't like to do too much work. I like to set the bar high enough that I can still get over it. But my guests are not mediocre and today I have former preschool science teacher, self-proclaimed weird dad, and the guy who once got suspended from Facebook for threatening to blow up the sun. You may know him best for his extremely funny stand-up comedy that includes 2016's best-selling album, Yes Really. He is Glenn Tickle. Hello there. <laughs> What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing well. Good. Now, for everybody, in case you haven't listened to his album or seen his stand-up, let everybody, my six listeners out there really want to know, like, Glenn Tickle, that is not your stage name. That is no. a legit name. It is my very real, very unfortunate actual name. I mean, I I don't think it's that unfortunate. I mean, you're a stand-up comedian. I mean, it works for you. I mean, it, that, you know, it's not like you're, you know, Glenn uh construction worker. You know I, mean, what I mean, but the I talk about it on the album, but like it's I have family members like we're not all comedians. Like they have I could have gotten a real job. <laughs> right. Uh and and just been, I could have been Glenn Tickle construction worker. I was just, I'm lazy and I don't know how to build things. And trust me, I'm, I'm in construction and I'm lazy and I don't know how to build things. It, that's <laughs> not, that's overrated. Like you could still be a construction worker. Trust me. But you were saying in, in your, uh, I don't want to be, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I don't blame you. In your, uh, in your album though, like your dad was a police officer. Yeah. He was officer tickle. And, yeah. uh, 
the funniest thing, man, like you said, is that you didn't know if that was worse for, for your dad or for the people, the criminals that your dad was putting away. Yeah, because it's got to be embarrassing, right? Like, I'm used to people making fun of my name. Like, it's happened my entire life. But to be, uh, like, if you get busted by the guy with the dumb name, then it's, that's got to be more embarrassing, I think. I, ha- I don't know. I have to, like, I can't believe that nobody ever thought of making, or even you uh, thought of making that, like, a sitcom, like Officer Tickle. Right? That would be, like, a uh, good... See, I keep trying to get my dad to be the mayor of of my town, and he refuses. Uh, <laughs> but I would love Mayor Tickle. That would that, and that I never be... understood why he always turned it down. But now, like the thought of me doing it, I was like, oh yeah, no, that doesn't sound fun at all. Yeah, it's a lot but, of work. Yeah, politics. Before you know it, you end up on Trump's Twitter feed. Like nobody wants that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now, I've uh, I, I've seen you before. I mean the. Years and years ago, um, you've always been very funny. Um, Thank you. How, how long How long you been doing your stand-up routine, or when did it start, or how did you start? Uh, well, I used to work with uh, your wife. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. waiting tables at a, a chain restaurant that I hated. Yeah. Uh, Which and, she still works at, by the way, and my two daughters work at. Oh, really? Yep. I knew she, I knew your wife was still there. I didn't know your children worked there as well. Yeah, yeah I, know, I mean, there's people. I don't want it to sound like uh, I'm crapping on the job itself because, like, I know people who you know who wait tables and tend bar uh, who really love it. Uh, I just wasn't one of them. Yeah, <laughs> like, I I think you're exaggerating. I don't think anybody really lo- does. Anybody really love that? There was a woman who who worked there who genuinely seemed to uh, enjoy. Like interacting with that many people and like kind of feeling helpful, I guess, in bringing them stuff. And I never understood that. But I mean, people get different things from different jobs. Um, like my brother works on the road crew and he likes work, that he gets to work outside, which mm-hmm. is uh, that's the least that's the bottom of the list of things that I would want in a job is to have to be. <laughs> right. Especially in the summer. Like, even if I get asked to do a show somewhere and it's outdoors, I'm like, I mean, I'll do it, but <laughs> we can move this somewhere, right? Like, right. especially because you somewhere, anything. Or kid activity. Now, well, how, how long ago did you? So, this, this is, I mean, you've been doing stand up, what, probably 10 years at least now? Uh, I started in 2009. Okay. Um, my, my timeline's fuzzy um in turn like i my memory's bad so i don't remember it was around the time i left uh my waiter job mm-hmm. and started substitute teaching because i know i i definitely uh did shows while i was subbing because that was the worst because you have to wake up real early so i'd be out mm-hmm. late doing a show the night before and then have to get up at six or whatever to go deal with other people's kids which is which it's I used to want to be a teacher, and then um my kids started to get older and become teenagers and stuff, and then I was just like, this is fucking this sucks part of my language, but I mean I was just gonna, I, I was gonna ask if I could swear because I stopped myself 
Oh well, no, I I didn't know. I mean, I this day I don't really hear, hear you swear that much in your comedy. I dropped the f bomb like you say whatever you want. Like, look, a motherfucker. Yeah. Like, there you go. I mean, you I know? say it. I swear conversationally, like I'm a I'm a adult, but right. Uh, I do you. I do tend to work clean, uh, only because like most of my material is about my daughter or I used to do a lot of jokes about substitute. Like I, the stuff I talk about on stage feels weird to me to be like very vulgar and then try to tell a cute story about my daughter. Like it doesn't seem to go together. <laughs> right. Right. Um, it, uh, it, wor- it, wor- it definitely works for you, man. I honestly, I, I mean, I'm like consider myself like wise ass funny, but I, but I, I drop a million F bombs. I think it's a lot more difficult not di- more difficult to be funny without being vulgar and it really really shows you know your your skill level i think personally well i think it's also uh a lot of the shows that i get asked to do uh i get asked to work clean like i do a lot of college shows mm-hmm. uh i did a corporate show last night where they told us we had to work clean and it's just easier because most of the shows that pay the most, especially when you're starting out as a comedian, you get asked to work clean. Hmm. Uh, so it, it makes sense to be able to do it. And since I was doing all these college shows and things where I get asked to work clean, right. like, well, I might as well just focus on that because it's easier to just write material that I can do at these shows than to write basically two acts. Like I don't want to have an act that I do at bars and then an act that I do at colleges because that's twice as much work for me. And right. as as I mentioned before, I'm very lazy. That's why I'm a stand-up comedian. Um, <laughs> and espe- like, especially because, like I said, so much of my material is about my daughter uh, or family stuff. Where uh, it's Somebody asked me after a college show like how I write jokes, and I, I told them kind of jokingly, but it's pretty true. At this point, I just kind of wait for my daughter to do something funny, and then figure out how to best structure it as a story now your your daughter's your daughter's young right yeah she's four yeah so that whole not cursing when you're talking about stories about your kids is gonna change when they get about 14 trust me uh then 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 you're gonna have then you're not gonna have any stories that you can tell that are clean unfortunately Well, that's the other thing is i i have this idea in my mind that someday my daughter will listen to my comedy so I don't mm-hmm. want to do anything that I feel like she would be upset about or disappointed by. Um, not even just specifically stories about her. Like, right. Um, and I think, I mean, it's true of any comedian or, or musician or artist or whatever. Like you look back on stuff you did 10 years ago as, as any kind of artist and you're embarrassed by it because you've gotten better in the last however long that's been. Mm-hmm. There's a great Ira Glass quote, uh, the host of This American Life. He talks about how people get into wanting to create because they have taste. And the things that they tend to create will disappoint them because it's not as good as they want it to be. But in making it, you get better. So that's why you look back at stuff that you've made. And it, you're not not necessarily ashamed of it, but you it bothers you. Like, I would – I like watching – Myself, because I'm a narcissist, but <laughs> uh, I was cleaning my office the other day and I found a DVD of a set I did 
at a club in New York that's not even there anymore from like eight years ago. And I'm like, oh, I'm not watching that. Like, there's no way right. that, but all, you know, if I had a video of a set I did last night, I would watch that. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you, that when I listen into your album and stuff, I really, I, like you just, you fine tune everything. I mean, it was, I, it was really, really, uh, it was, I mean, it was great, man. It was really, um, thank you. Just, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I remember seeing you years ago early on and I, I could just, I could tell the difference. I, it, you sound like you've been a professional comedian for a long time. I mean, it's, you know, it's really, you could tell that you really put, put the work in and stuff. So I appreciate that. Yeah. That's, um, like I, I'm kind of at a point now where if I meet people who are just starting out in com- like I get asked for advice in comedy, uh, kind of regularly now. Mm-hmm. And that's, very little of my advice is actually about comedy. It's mostly just like, I don't know, just show up on time. Like maybe dress <laughs> a little nice, yeah. you know, don't, <laughs> don't scream at the, the bartender at the show. You're like, just be a, a normal person. Uh, don't be the, a douche. the best advice I could give is if any, anybody's considering doing comedy is to, uh, focus on being, a person that somebody would want to spend three hours in a car with. Hmm. Um, cause a lot of the first jobs you get are you're opening for somebody or like drive. Sometimes you're just literally driving another comedian to a show for 50 bucks or whatever. Right. Um, where if I, I just did a show at a college in Connecticut, which is like three and a half hours from my house. Uh, it's kind of a long drive, so I wanted to bring somebody just to have in the car, and it makes sense to bring a comedian because then they can, I can get them to do a few minutes at the top of the show, and then they're mm-hmm. excited to be there. And it's they're they're basically just doing me a favor, but then they don't feel like it because they're getting something out of it too. Right. But if I'm trying to think of who I would bring, uh, I would much rather bring somebody that would be good to be in the car with that long than like. I'm not going to bring somebody who's a terrible comedian, but I'd rather bring, you know, a B minus comedian <laughs> right. uh, to the show if they're fun to hang out with rather than bring the funniest person I know, but they're a huge jerk. I'm like, I don't want to ride in a car with, that long with you. Yeah. Nobody wants to ride in a car with a jerk. No. So, so there you go. They, all you people that want to be stand up comedians, Glenn Tickle's first word of advice is don't be a douche. Yeah, just be cool. I get like just <laughs> yeah, just be cool, man. You could actually use that and get pretty far in life, to be honest. Yeah, like I feel like it every- applies to other things too. Like if you want to yeah. be, it's just that there's a lot of travel involved in comedy. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I would say is the actual job part of what I do. Uh, standing in one spot and talking about myself for an hour, like that's not hard. That's right. It's one of my favorite things to do. <clears throat> if I get asked to do a show. Um, my only real consideration is the, the travel. Like if I get asked to do a show 10 minutes from my house for 50 bucks, I'm happy to do it. But if I get asked to do a show like in Pittsburgh for 50 bucks, no, cause I'm like, I wouldn't drive to Pittsburgh just to pick up $50. Like that's my, that's my benchmark for saying yes or no is like, is would I drive to that place, uh, to pick up that amount of money? Now, wh- where's the, What's the furthest you've ever traveled to do a show? Um, I, I was on a, a research trip with a, with a friend a few years ago, 
where we were touring whiskey distilleries for a book he was writing. Mm-hmm. And I did like some open mics while we were driving around, but I didn't really travel for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think the farthest would be West Virginia mm-hmm. that I like, traveled to just for a show. Oh no, Chicago is farther than West Virginia. Oh, okay, yeah, that's. Uh, what was it? What was the first time that you did a show? Because like you said, you started out open mics and stuff like that. Yeah. When was the first time that you did like? First, what was your your first paid gig? And then when was the first time that you really were like, holy shit, man, like I'm, this is pretty cool, like where I'm at. You know what I mean? Like, uh, my the first time I did an open mic, I was in college. I was interning um, at a, a production house in, in Midtown. And I would walk by a comedy club every day when I was commuting. Uh, because it was right in between the the Port Authority bus terminal and my office. Um, and they had an open mic. The, I think I think I was in there like Wednesdays and Thursdays or something. The one night that I was there every week, they did an open mic. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm funny. I'm in school for film. I make sh- funny videos. I'll just do that. Uh, but I didn't like write anything or prepare because I didn't understand what it was. <laughs> You were supposed to because I was a, a dumb idiot, nineteen year old. Right. <laughs> uh, so I did that and it went horribly. And I don't like things that I'm not good at. So I was like, oh, all right. I, I guess I don't have to do that again. But then I graduated. I went to school for film. I graduated and I didn't have a camera anymore because it was the schools mm-hmm. and I needed an outlet. And then I started seeing open mic signs and stuff around. Um, and then figured. I should try again, but actually prepare. Uh, so I did, I did that. Like I wrote a five minute set and then did it and it went better than the one I did in college. Like this was, it was around the time I stopped being a waiter and started being a substitute teacher, but I don't remember exactly. Right. I have like when the switch were happened. Um, first paid gig. I don't remember. Um, I remember the first time I got asked to do a show that wasn't an open mic. Uh, But I I specifically remember it was my friend Jason Brown uh, asked me to do it. And he's like, well, I can't pay you, but there will be free hot dogs. Oh, that's so I would do that right now. I'm not even that funny. I would do anything for free hot dogs. But that was just the first time somebody offered me anything to tell jokes, even (laughs) though I don't I don't. I think I I don't even eat now. I think I, I was still at the time, but I never liked hot dogs. So, but I was just happy to do the show. Hmm. So, do you you think that your first experience being <laughs> being a bad experience? Do you think that helped you at all? I mean, I guess you were more prepared when you go on stage and stuff like that. I think about it a lot because. Uh, I think it's common for anybody to be like, Oh, like I, I wish I could have started this thing that I like doing sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, like if that went well, I think I would have kept doing it. But when I, when I, especially comics in New York, like when I go in, there's the comics like in their first year or two, like you kind of tend to talk about all the same stuff because you're 20 and you don't, have any real point of reference for the world for things that make you interesting. Like they'll talk like 
Seinfeld stuff, like observational things, like, oh, like this is a thing we all understand, or they'll talk about dating or Tinder, but <laughs> what that's like when you're 20, and other 20-year-olds relate to it, but not not everybody else. So I think since I wasn't doing comedy until I was 25, 26, it was October 2009, mm-hmm. yeah, 26. So I was already married for a while at that point. Um, so I wasn't coming into it as like another 19-year-old white guy comedian. Um, right. So I th- And I, not wanting to do bad, like I, I didn't want to bomb again. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I have to prepare. I need to put the work in. Like I learned pretty quick that I couldn't just go up and wing it and have it go well. Right. Um, and even that, like, I'm, I'm, it sounds like I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to sound, to say this without sounding like, uh, I'm an egomaniac, but like, I don't, bomb. I, uh, I mean, I have, I have shows that don't go well, but like this idea that in people's heads that like you go up and nothing works and the audience hates you and you're just dying. Uh, that doesn't happen very Frequently, I don't think it happens frequently to anybody. Like, I'm not mm. saying it, oh, it doesn't happen to me because I'm so great. I just think uh, most of the time the audience does not care. They're only sort of half listening. So they might right. stop paying attention to you, but, like, to really bomb and, like, have the audience turn on you and just – that it happens rarely to anybody. Yeah, you got to basically be uh, the, the creamer from Seinfeld. Yeah, and it <laughs> feels terrible when it happens. Like, when you're really blowing it, it's not a good feeling. So I don't want that to happen, so I try really hard <laughs> to keep it. Like, I, you know, I, I write stuff out, and and I have jokes that I know, like, tend to work every time. So, mm. if, you know, to win people over, like, I'll use those. And I don't know, It's I, it takes effort to not not bomb and bombing feels terrible. So I'm, I would rather put in a little extra work to not eat it on stage. than right. I know guys who doesn't bother them at all. Like they'll go do terrible and it doesn't phase them. Uh, cause it's really, it's not, I forget who said it, but they, they said bombing is the worst thing that can happen to you on stage, but it's not that bad. Like it feels mm-hmm. terrible, but you know, you don't die. No one's going to remember it. Like, like you said, unless you're Kramer, uh, from Seinfeld and <laughs> right. uh, and you go on a racist tirade and somebody films it and then that bo- most of the time audiences aren't really paying attention right. like it's like I do a lot of showcases or like I'll be at an open mic uh, I forget the guy's name but there's a regular show in Allentown Pennsylvania at the Alternative Gallery mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday night it's called Social Medium that that I do a lot and it's it's usually very fun sometimes there's not a big audience and sometimes there's literally almost nobody so there was one night there was four people and they were all other performers in the room and this guy goes up and he does 10 minutes of jokes and he's really beating himself up because he's like i bombed like nobody's laughing at anything i'm like there's four other people (laughs) there's nobody here to laugh (laughs) how did you think that was gonna like what did you think was going to happen? Like he didn't do that bad. Like he wasn't right. great, but you can't bomb for four people. 
Because right. there shouldn't be a show at that point. Like, the fact <laughs> that happened, you just kind of have to understand your situation. Right. And, you know, you go up and you, I guess you're just looking to see if people are kind of nodding with you. It takes like a decent sized audience for comedy to really go well. Because then okay. if people think they're going to get singled out, they tend to not laugh. But if, you know, if you're one of 200 people in a, a theater, then, you know, nobody's paying attention to you. So then people kind of yeah. let loose a little bit. So now you recorded your album. Uh, yeah. It came out last year. You, you were, that was a show at Steel Stacks? Yes. Yeah. So anybody who's listening doesn't know Steel Stacks is over where the uh, by the Sands Casino, correct? That's over Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yeah. The, uh, the official name is the Arts Quest Center at Steel Stacks. It's uh, where Bethlehem Steel used to be. <clears throat> yep. And some of the buildings, some of the Bethlehem Steel buildings are are still up because uh, people love nostalgia and they refuse to tear down old trash buildings. Uh, <laughs> the venue's really nice parking is terrible and it drives me crazy because parking would be so much better if they just knocked down (laughs) one of these trash but like there's no reason to keep it up it's falling apart tear it down and put in a parking lot i don't care what carly simon says yeah i was just gonna go (laughs) i was just gonna go there i mean i wouldn't exactly call those old bethlehem steel buildings paradise but um i mean keep one sure like The steel stacks themselves look nice. They're all lit up, but you don't need, they're just hanging on to buildings for nostalgia's sake. Yeah, I think. you need the old blast furnace there, right? Yeah. Like there's handicap parking in the parking lot, but it's still, you know, 400 yards away from the building. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I had a guest on, I used to host a talk show there and I had a guest who, who used the motorized wheelchair and she wasn't, Furious, but she's like, "This is a, like the handicap parking situation here is a joke." Like, right. I think they have valets now, but they didn't at the time. Mm-hmm. But you can't expect everybody to valet park their car. Get it together, steel stacks parking. I like everything else about that venue. <laughs> I don't uh, want it to sound like I'm complaining too much. I don't. Although the food service there got worse over the years too. Did uh, you so you don't? I I've seen uh, things about your talk show. You don't do that anymore over there. Or you're no uh when they first opened that building they were still trying to get an idea of like what kind of programming outside of because music's their main thing for sure so they were trying to like branch out and do other kinds of programming my friend ryan hill runs the comedy and cinema stuff over there so i pitched it to him and it was basically we just did you know a tonight show format style show just live on stage and not not Mm -hmm. on tv um but they didn't tell anyone that it was happening ever. Uh. Like we were the last thing going on there on Sunday nights, uh, like after the last other event ended an hour would go by and then our show would start. Uh, they didn't tell anybody it was happening. And then uh, we, we would get like, you know, 20 or 30 people out, but they'd be like, Oh, you know, there's, there's only 20 or 30 people here and they're, they're all people that you're bringing. I'm like, right. Cause you don't <laughs> like, no one knows this is happening. Right. Um, it was much more of an uphill fight for comedy there when it first opened, but now it's, now it's a much bigger part of what they do. And well, I mean, which is great. Cause I love 
comedy, obviously. But yeah, there's they have uh, comedy shows there regularly. They do um, different kinds of comedy. It's not like just stand up or just improv. They do a lot of different kind of like sketch shows or weird game shows, right? Or shows with weird themes. Um, and I started doing another show there. Uh, that's as of last month. A recurring monthly show on the third Thursday of every month called Nerd Night, uh, where it's sort of like TED Talks, where people come in and give little presentations on. Mm-hmm. It's not as serious. Like I, I found out about it. I got asked to do. There's Nerd Night events in cities all over the world, and I got asked to do one in Philly uh, last year, and I had a lot of fun with it. And then it seemed like a thing that I would work really well at Steel Sex. So same thing. I pitched it to Ryan, uh, reached out to the the guys who run the nerd night brand to see if I could, I'm basically like a, a franchisee of, of the nerd night name where I just do it in Bethlehem, but they have them all over and they're, they're always a little different. Like the main thing is these talks, but then people incorporate trivia or other kind of performances. Um, I usually you know, book a stand up to go in between two of the speakers. Um, but it's not the, the talks are usually a lot less serious than Ted talks. Like I did one, about the monster mash at the the last one and the the cultural impact that it had. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds funny. <laughs> the cultural impact of the monster mash. That's <laughs> yeah. Because I found out it's a whole album. It's not just one song. It's, Is it really? Yeah, they did a full album of monster songs, oh, and shit. none of them caught on as well as the monster mash. There was one in the 80s where Bobby Pickett, the guy who did it, um, he did a rap version. Mm. Uh, I can't he see did, that. Why that he did a, like a Monster Mash parody about climate change during the Bush administration. <laughs> it was... Holy shit, man. Yeah, it's, it was a deep rabbit hole I fell down, and it was just really interesting. And I love that there's places like Nerd Night where I'm like, oh, who's going to let me talk about the monster match for 20 minutes into a microphone while other people listen yeah that's uh i'm speechless about that that's amazing i gotta be honest that's really fucking clever man yeah and there Um, were a lot there's weird covers of it like the beach boys did a cover it was apparently mike love's favorite song because uh, oh one of the other, I don't know the Beach Boys well enough to know all their names, but they call they address him. Uh, but one of the other Beach Boys intros the song as he's like, "We're gonna play a song for you guys. It's Mike's favorite song. Here's the Monster Mash, and like they, the rest <laughs> of the band so clearly doesn't want to be playing the Monster Mash, right? But he's so he's like." making faces and really he's so into it and the rest of the guys are just like rolling their eyes in the background mm. it's one of the best if you look up the beach boys cover of monster match on youtube it's one of the best thing i gotta do that that's funny because like they seem to really enjoy that time they were on full house so i can't see yeah. like why they wouldn't want to sing the monster match but whatever man the misfits did it uh there were a bunch oh wow yeah so Steel Stacks, getting back yes. to your, your comedy album. We just talked about Steel Stacks. They, they should use this as like in their uh, advertising or training video. We just, yeah, hey, the parking sucks, but you can yeah. learn about the Monster <laughs> Mash. Um, 
Yeah, steel so, sacks is great. I know I did complain about <laughs> the parking, but it's only because that's like the worst thing. Everything else is great. Like they bring in yeah. a lot of great acts. They they treat their acts really well. Um, like I'm very happy. Anytime I do a show, like I I bring in guests to do these talks at Nerd Night, and I'm always like very proud of the venue that I'm bringing people to. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm booking, you know, a, a show at some shitty bar somewhere, right? Uh, uh, where people are worried they're going to get knifed or what. Like it's a really mm-hmm. nice venue that I'm always kind of proud to show off anytime I get to do something there. Mm. So was it that like an easy choice for you to? Um Record your album And first of all Like tell Tell me what re- Like goes into Recording a, a comedy album Sure like The whole process um, Like what, you Did you purposely Choose Steel Stacks Or was it just Easiest for you And like yes. Tell us uh, a story About the, the college kids like, There was high school Kids there or? Yeah Yeah I chose Steel Stacks Definitely on purpose Um <clears throat> I wrote uh, I'll still explain it But I I'll just mention I wrote a big long post About About this On uh, My site The Humor Weekly uh, Where okay. I just like Explain in detail How I did My comedy album uh, So if I just I'm just mentioning In case anybody's interested Like there's There's a more detailed version Of, okay. of my answer Out the humor there Humor Weekly Yeah It's W-E-A-L-Y Nice I get it I like it I uh I'm d- I'll definitely be checking that out. I did Steel Stacks specifically because it's the largest venue that I knew I could fill. Okay. It's the largest venue I knew I could fill. Because when you have when you're recording, like you want a you want a good audience, so it sounds nice when you record it. Yeah. Um, but I started doing these college shows, and I was talking to uh, a booker at a school, and he's like, "Well, send us the hour that you would do," and I didn't have an hour recording like I had I knew I had an hour of of material and I'd done shows where I was headlining for an hour before so I knew I could do it I just didn't have like a good recording to send him I'm like oh well you know if if that's how this works like if college bookers are going to keep asking for me for this I should make one I should record a show and send it um but if I'm gonna do that I might as well you know go all out and right and do an album of it Especially because at that point I've been doing comedy for about eight years So Some of the jokes Like I used to be a substitute teacher And a lot of jokes on the album are about that But I haven't been a substitute teacher in like five years So I don't particularly Want to keep talking about it Uh, But I like those jokes Like I tried real hard to make them good And they work So I don't want to just stop telling them But if I make an album then I Make a thing out of them and then those jokes still exist somewhere, but I don't have to keep doing them on stage. Um, so I decided I would do, I would record it. And then I, I was, I headline a show there roughly once a year, depending on their schedule and my schedule. So I was talking to Ryan Hill over there and he asked if I could headline a show on, and he asked me on, I forget May, Something of 2016 was recorded. Right. Asked me if I could do a show. Typically, those shows, uh, the headliner only does a half hour, 40 minutes. So I asked him, I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do it, but can I do an hour and, and record it? Uh, and he was super on board, very helpful and supportive. Um, 
so I brought my friend Jesse Gimble, who runs a recording studio outside of Philly. He came up and did the actual recording and all the mixing and stuff. Right. Um, yeah, and we started promoting it as an album recording, not just a show. And originally the plan was, because there's a lot of different rooms at Steel Stacks where events can happen. There's two movie right. theaters. One has 100 seats, one has 200 seats. The original plan was I would do two shows in the 100-seat theater. Because uh, then, you know, if you're recording it, if something happens, if, you know, you have a bad show, you want that backup. But then a few days after tickets went on sale, somebody bought 80 tickets for a 100-seat theater. And we didn't know what it was. My original thought was that my dad did it. Like, my dad oh. bought a bunch of tickets to like give to people because uh, I the, the stereotype with comedy is that like we all have terrible families but my my family is very supportive uh, in particular my dad like probably more than anybody else right um, but it wasn't him it was this high school that was going they had like a weekend it was their senior trip basically like it was I think it's in the Bronx and they were coming out they were going to go to Dorney and do other stuff in the area and they bought 80 tickets to my show. So there were only 20 seats left. And it was the earlier show, and we recorded on a Thursday. So we figured more people would go to the, the early show than the late show. But then they sold the other 20 seats. But then that school came back and they're like, hey, we need 100, actually. So that's all of the seats in the theater. And this is a great problem to have. Like right, people buy right. <laughs> tickets is never a problem. It's just then you have to figure out the best way to do it. So we moved it to the larger theater, but because we were recording it, we couldn't do one show in the big theater and one show in the little like and I didn't think I could fill the big theater twice. Like mm-hmm. I think when the original plan was to do two shows in a hundred seat theater, I'm like, oh, you know, it'll be at least half full each time, like I wasn't expecting two sold out shows, but like two pretty well sold shows. Right. Um, but then it got moved to the red, which is the bigger one. And it didn't make sense to record one show with 200 people. And then another show with like probably at most 50. Right. Uh, so that's, we ended up only doing one show, but that's why there were a hundred. So you you did that recording on one, on one show. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I that's really really good. Yeah, that's yeah. clutch. You're like the Michael Jordan of <laughs> comedy albums. I mean, I'm glad it went because well, it's especially because it's. I mean, I don't I don't live in Bethlehem. I, I live in New Jersey, but I do mm-hmm. a lot of shows there. So like, I knew a lot of the people in the audience. So everyone's kind of on. Especially when you go to like an album recording or anything like that. You know, they prep the audience. Most of the people are there because they want to be. They want to be there and, and be supportive. Mm-hmm. So it was the show was probably going to go well. But, you know, in case something happened with the recording or anything, it's it, you'd rather have two shows than one just to have a backup. But mm-hmm. it didn't work out that way. What, uh, what, when did, how did you decide to do a, a comedy album? Because I know, I mean, I know comedy albums have been around for a long, long time, and they used to be really, really big, but I don't necessarily um, see 
as many of them as I as I used to. Is that is that accurate or? Um, I don't know. I don't have like the hard numbers of how many comedy albums get put out every year, but I do know like in general, album sales across the industry are down. Like mm-hmm. just because there's so many places you can stream them that you're already paying for, um, people will buy an album if it's an artist they want to support but not like you used to buy a CD because you wanted to hear the songs. Now there's, right. you know, probably half a dozen things, you know, you can get it. If you have a Amazon membership, you can just listen to stuff for free or you're paying for Spotify or Apple, one, music. Apple music or any of them. So people definitely a lot more people stream things than, than buy them anymore. Um, I mean the fact that my album made it to billboard at all was like, proof that people aren't buying that many <laughs> copy albums anymore because if they were that yeah I genuinely thought it was a prank uh, really I got an email because I I put my my album out through Bandcamp which is mm-hmm. like a site that a lot of indie bands and comedians use and it's it's great and I highly recommend it um, but there's a contact thing on there so you don't have to just give out your regular email address to to random people mm-hmm. um so you basically they can fill this out and send you an email and it goes to your email it shows up as from Bandcamp, and then it says whatever they put in the the sender field uh and it was i, I got back late i forget i was out I, like i went on a date with my wife and we got home late and th- at like midnight I get an email and it says it's from a guy who works at billboard and that the album was going to chart on Monday. So he needed to verify the information like, you know, title, like make sure my name is spelled correctly and all that. But it came in the middle of the night from this thing that anyone can fill out. Uh, and I have this ongoing, bit with a friend of mine where we decided to be each other's nemeses uh <laughs> and just like and that's exactly the kind of thing like it's a bit like we're friends um but it's been going on so long that a lot of people forget that it's not real right. but that is the kind of like that's right solidly in the middle of the the spectrum of the kind of things that we do for this joke that's awesome. uh I can't like I got if you get an email at you know midnight that sounds like really great news from a thing anyone can fill out I'm like this is there's no way this is real yeah but I I wrote the guy back because he included his email address so I emailed that address and said like hey uh, this is gonna, I don't believe you but I got this email that said my my album's charting on Billboard which can't be a thing. He's like, no. He's like, I can't tell you where, but it'll be it'll be on there. And sure enough, it was. It's pretty high, right? Debuted at like thirteen or something like that. It was thirteen, but I think the comedy uh, the comedy chart is short. Uh, okay. It's only like twenty or twenty five, I think. I forget the exact number. But the fact that it was on there at all was bananas to me. How how high did it uh, how high did it reach? Just thirteen. It it hit. The one week, because the way pre-orders work, mm-hmm. if you do like a pre-order campaign, all those sales and plays and stuff count the, on the release day. Okay. So you, you're basically 
compressing a month's worth of sales and and streaming and stuff into a day so that it looks great that first week and then it falls off yeah i think i uh i found out about that um i think i read it in the in one of the newspapers i mean uh was it yeah, maybe I, the morning call it might have been in the morning call i don't know i did uh an interview with the express times that's what it was the express times and uh, I think the morning call ran a thing about the album recording, but not any, they didn't do like an interview with, I think they just included it as a thing that was happening right in the area. But yeah, I did, um, did an interview with the express times and I'm blanking on the reporter's name, but he was very nice. And, uh, yeah, I think he came, he reached out after he saw me do another show at steel stacks where I opened, um, for my friend John Hodgman. So, so now what? Uh, what did you do after the album hit? What do you? I mean, you still did your stand up and stuff. It's not like, um, like bands. Did did you like tour the the exact same act, or did you just you tailor the act depending on where you? Uh... Um, I did. I went on. I did a college tour. Uh, right when it came out and it was mostly the same, mm-hmm. uh, be, which is one of the benefits of not being, being a famous comedian and just being a working one is that, uh, it doesn't matter that I put an album, like people who are coming to my shows, probably, they probably haven't a lot of time haven't heard of me at all. They're just going to see the idea of comedy. So mm-hmm. it's not like if I do a joke that was on the album, they're going to be like, ah, oh, I heard this. This is like, I did a corporate show last night, probably 10 miles away from steel stacks where I recorded the album and just did the first 15 minutes of the album. Like <laughs> none of them had seen me before. And I right. know that it works. So, but if you're, you know, if you're a celebrity, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of a comedian who is not, uh, who didn't just get in trouble for yeah. weird sex? <laughs> Louis C.K. Like yeah, but that now the now every name I can think of would be like ah oh, no they did a bad thing. Uh, yeah, that's what like, I was gonna say before when you were talking about not cursing. I was like oh yeah, just like Bill Cosby without all the rape. But I thought that might yeah. be in poor taste. Well, that's the thing is I'll do shows where I will swear just conversationally. Like I I, I this happened at a club in New York. Where I did a show, mm-hmm. uh, and I know I swore because I, I was making a tape for to submit to a thing that was speci- I did it specifically because the thing I was submitting for seemed like a thing that they want that they would want someone to swear. I, I it's I I can't think of a good way to explain this. It was like, it was a TV thing I didn't end up getting, and it doesn't matter anyway. But it's like oh I, I will send them a tape where I actually swear right in my and they so i did it i know i swore i have the video to prove it and this lady <laughs> came up to me after she's like oh i like that you worked clean because everybody else was so filthy I'm like i didn't like <laughs> but i think it's just because i swore like conversationally i'd be like oh right. yeah you know so i got woke up the other night and like oh, i was so fucking tired or like oh you know i i did this and some shit and 
but what I was talking about was still, you know, my daughter or how I used to be a sub or like stuff right. where it's, I wasn't talking about anything vulgar. And I think right. that's a lot of the times where people talk about wanting somebody to work clean. I think that's what they mean. Unless yep. you're doing TV or radio and then there's very specific rules about what they mean when they say work clean. Right. Uh, but yeah, like if, Sometimes people just want a break from hearing somebody talk about their dick for 20 minutes. Yeah, or, you know, or just whipping it out and showing them and stuff like that. Yeah. Which, uh, like, not for nothing, man, but I got to be honest, like, a lot of these guys that are getting busted for, are, they're fucking weird-looking dudes, man. Like, Louis C.K., is he's funny, but, I mean, he, like, you look at him, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, I can see that. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> Yeah. People don't t- typically get into comedy because they were so handsome and cool as a kid. Like, <laughs> it's not like, oh, I'm so attractive and well loved. What What am I going to do? I know. I will beg strangers for attention. <laughs> it's a defense mechanism, usually. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's certainly good looking comedians, but I, if you look at us as a whole, it's a lot of sixes. Probably. Oh my god! In, yeah, in but sixes, sixes in real life are tens at Walmart. I learned about that. Yeah, uh, a guy I just did a show with. I'm gonna look his name up uh, so I don't get it wrong. Mike Murkovich uh, has a joke uh, where the the punchline is six is uh, he's gonna open a bar called Sixes or Better or Sixes Sixes and Under. I think. <laughs> So that you could go to the bar and not worry about, like, being intimidated by all the beautiful people. Right. That's awesome. It's a really funny bit. If you have a chance to see, he's, uh, I think he was just touring, but he's in New York City. If anybody listening to this has a chance to see Mike Murkovich, he's very funny and nice. So what now, what's next for you now? Like, what are you, you said you're a working comedian. Is that all you're, is that all you're doing now? Like, you don't, you're not. Uh, It is not all I'm doing, but it is my, is currently my, my primary career career uh mostly because of the album honestly which was very surprising uh like i said my initial intention for the hour was well i'll just make a thing that i can send to colleges to get shows and then i can stop telling these substitute teaching jokes right Uh, (laughs) but it did kind of well like not not crazy well but the fact that it makes any money on any kind of regular basis still astounds me uh and it worked out because in doing mine I kind of figured out how to do it and like how to get an album on billboard and like how to get it distributed widely and mm-hmm. have it be available everywhere so when friends of mine were talking about also recording albums uh, yeah. my my friend Tyler Rothrock was asking me a bunch of questions because he was thinking about putting an album out I'm like you know you're my friend I've known you for a long time I will sit here and answer any question you have I will help you in any way I can uh just just to be nice but also i know you pretty well and i've a lot of the stuff that you have to do i don't think you're gonna want like it's a lot of filling out forms and spreadsheets and stuff right right uh and i'm like i don't think you want to do that if you let me put it out on this label i basically accidentally created uh then you will just then you can just focus on the show and like getting ready with the set and everything uh, and that's, that's what he agreed to. So, uh, last month that's I awesome. put his album out, uh, cause when they called when, or when billboard emailed me, one of the things they wanted to verify was the name of the record label, which when I was filling out one of the forms you fill out, um, 
to distribute it online, there was a field for record label name, and it said there's a note on it that said, if you don't have one, you can leave it blank, you can put your own name, or you can make something up. I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to make something up for sure. <laughs> uh, so I named it Circus Trapeze Records because I want – I. Uh, your wife hates this especially if I remember correctly, but I wanted to name my child circus because mm-hmm. I think since I have a dumb last name, just really lean into it. <laughs> uh, and I've talked about it for years and no one <laughs> ever thinks it's a good idea, especially right. my wife. Uh, yeah. but I still love it. So I'm going to name something circus. So I put it down as a joke. And then when it hit billboard, you know, Billboard ran that chart and it says, you know, Glenn Tickle, yes, really, Circus Trappies Records. And I was like, oh, I guess that's a thing now that I did. Uh, awesome. Yeah, because it's at that point, it it would have cost me basically nothing to put out a second album, but I didn't have another hour to record. So I was like, yeah. oh, well, Tyler, like, we'll just record yours. We'll put it out through the same channels I did. And his uh, hit Billboard as well when it came out he hit number eight and the best thing about that is since i produced the album i don't have to be jealous that he did better than me (laughs) (laughs) because he did better than me because of me right i can exactly you can take take credit yeah yeah you should that's uh he's actually um i knew that name when when i i messaged you to come on the podcast uh, we spoke about that um yeah he's actually I'm in Nazareth. He's in Nazareth, PA. I knew I recognized yes. that name. I'm in Nazareth as well. Yeah. So he probably doesn't He's, live that. Uh, the name of his album is Tyler of Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's. He could be the second. You know, is that. I guess that's a play on uh, Jesus of Nazareth, or is that just. Yeah. Am I just being sacrilegious? No, that's that's the joke. And uh, his the cover art is like a, a cartoon version of The Last Supper with him. <laughs> And then it's the instead of the apostles, it's references to all the jokes on the album. That's uh, that's really good. It looks really cool. And, uh, I, I had no, I had nothing to do with it. Uh, I think I originally told him not to call his album that because it sounded dumb. But then it, then it kind of warmed up to it. Um, right. No, but the, the the album cover looks really great. And I I think his mom or somebody was upset because they said that he was making fun of Jesus. Oh man. I like to think Jesus would have a sense of humor myself, but yeah. that's just me. It's, yeah. it's, I don't know. I mean, people are I uptight w- about stuff, but oh, everything. that album I, cover, it's very nice. And that's stuff. clever. I, I always think he'd have kind of like the freaking attitude of like that dude from uh, Big Lebowski, just like, you know. That's just me. I mean, that's how I like my Jesus. I don't know. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think he would be upset about an album cover or at least not yeah. this one right i'm sure there's probably an album cover somewhere that he'd be mad about yeah like with, with tupac was on the on the hanging from the cross that's probably not sure he'd be that cool about that yeah like no that's <laughs> that's my thing like that's, you can't just yeah. yeah you don't see me wearing a bandana backwards stop copying me tupac yeah <laughs> Oh man uh, so so you got these two albums coming out any are you gonna put another album out or uh, eventually, yes. Um, yeah. I'm more, I'm, I did a, uh, more of a one man show thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
at the Scranton Fringe Festival uh, that I will be recording at some point. I just have to figure out the best way to to do it because I have there's visual elements to it. Um, so okay. I would want to do video, but I, I I have experience doing audio albums now, and I'm sure I could figure out how to incorporate video. I have a film degree, so like I'm not. Oh, there you I'm go. At yeah. Lot, but um, yeah. there you go. Yesterday, actually, it's also more expensive to do it that way, right. and. But I mean, the the visual stuff is uh, it's a good idea. It's where it's at too. Actually, I was talking to guy. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Casey Jost. No. Uh, he's. You ever watched the uh, Impractical Jokers? Uh, I know of it. Yeah. Well, he's he's a comedian, but he works kind of behind the scenes. His brother Colin is on uh, Weekend oh, Update on Saturday Night Live. Right, so he actually he's going to be an episode uh, actually right after you. That takes a lot more editing because of this long story. But anyway, he uh, he was telling me about like he did the same thing. He got a a, um, a degree in music, and he's been using that with his comedy and stuff. And he's trying to do uh, just you know the whole the whole gamut visually visual stuff, comedy, music, and it's. Uh, I mean, it's ambitious, but it it sounds like a a, a great deal of work. Yeah, and a friend of mine just reached out about to about having me produce a music album for him. Right. And uh, I have no idea how to even start trying to do that. Uh, one of the things I did in this show was I play Eternal Flame by the Bangles on the violin. Right. <laughs> uh, so I was like looking up how to. Like license a song because comedy albums are easier way easier to produce than the music like it's literally typically it's one person standing in one spot talking into one microphone um so there's not a lot of production that goes into it there's some um but then to do music and like you got to record it in a studio probably and yeah. get he wanted to do all cover songs too. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't think I can help you. That's uh, difficult. But I, I actually, I know, I know a couple guys uh, involved in music, went to school and stuff, and uh, they, they've worked with some pretty. Uh, uh, one person in particular has worked with some pretty uh, well-known rappers and stuff, like producing music, and and he's a member of ASCAP and all that stuff. So I, I if you, if you. You know, have questions and stuff like that. I could definitely put you in touch with touch with him. He he knows all about that stuff because he answered a lot of questions for me as far as like, uh, you know, music for the podcast and all that stuff. Yeah. So. But yeah, it's definitely I don't, difficult. Yeah, it's just more involved, and I know like because a big part of when I was doing the album was like I wanted to do it well because I had control over that mm-hmm. stuff like. I only have so much control over whether or not an audience likes the set that I was planning on recording. Right. But, you know, I could make sure that I had it, everything registered where it should be registered and that the packaging looked nice and like anything I could, I could do to make it, uh, look 
not like a I don't want to say make it look like a real album because it is, but um, to make it not, I didn't want it to look cheap and like just put together hokey. Yeah. Like I'm, I mean, I'm very proud of the, the album in terms of like how the show went and the jokes and everything, but also like I'm pretty proud of just the physical CD. Like Mm. I did the, the design work for it. Um, I hired an artist, the C- the CD itself has a drawing of uh, my my daughter's toy robot that I use on stage sometimes, mm-hmm. Mr. Otto. Um, <laughs> but the like I the photo I used on the cover of it, uh, I I took um, and I put like I I put it all together myself, and I'm very proud of the work I did in that beyond just the jokes and stuff. So now where can uh where can people see you now? You mentioned uh at every third Thursday of the month you're doing Nerd Night at Steel Stacks. Yes. Um uh, what else do you have uh going on where people can go? They want they want to see the 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 legendary Glenn Tickle <laughs> live and in person. Uh if they are in Tiffin, Ohio, I'm doing a show uh January 20th at the Ritz Theater. Um that one I'm very excited about, mm-hmm. and New Year's Eve uh, I'm I'm hosting at the Mohegan Sun in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Um, I forget who else is on there, but I was just talking to somebody about it last night because uh, comedy shows on New Year's are pretty common, and typically comedians are working on New Year's. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't want to be the guy on stage at midnight, typically, because it like just suddenly grinds everything to a halt. And then, like when it's done, you're like, "What do I do? Do I tell more jokes? Do I just go home now? Like, what do I do?" <laughs> right. So they asked me to host, which I I don't do much of anymore, uh, because I'm bad at it. Uh, really? Like when I when I tell people that I don't want to host a show, sometimes I think they think it's because I think I'm above doing it or something. It's just the host of the show typically has to bring a certain level of energy to like keep everybody aware and into the show that I can only fake for so long. Like if anybody's listened to me talk this long, like this is the same level I'm at all the time, uh, on stage. Like I don't, I don't like, I don't want to jump and scream. I don't want to ask if anybody's celebrating their birthday or whatever. Right. I just want to stand in one spot and tell jokes and be largely left alone. I mean, listen, man, you're good at it. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, no problem. I, I'm, I think I, I might come in and check out that, uh, that nerd night. I, I don't know if, uh, I'm, I'm a closet nerd man myself. So all star Wars comic books. Yeah. Looking at your wall behind you here on oh, Skype. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I I like sports and stuff. Are you a Star Wars guy? Yeah. Did you see the new one or no? I did. Uh, Okay. Before we wrap this up, I got to know, because I I tweeted something out. I woke up. I took my little guy to see it. I woke up the next morning. I tweeted something out, and my tweet blew up. Did you like it? Because I loved it. I loved it. Uh, I'm seeing people kill it. I don't understand that. It's a, it's weird because I've seen people complain about it for different reasons, and some of the reasons make sense to me. Like some people don't like 
that a lot of the good guys are multicultural and that Leia's leading the resistance now, which yeah. doesn't make sense to me as a person, but I understand how if you're a racist, then yeah, right. like, like it, your objection makes sense. I disagree with it, but I understand it. Uh, right, should I say spoiler alert here? Are you going to? No. Okay. Uh, no, I get what you're saying about that too. And I mean, listen, I mean, there's, as evidenced by the uh, election, we got a lot of racists in this country. Yeah, the thing I understand the least is the people who liked Rogue One, but not this one. Yeah, I I, I loved I Rogue, Rogue One too. One. I'm I'm in the minority on that. Really? Yeah, but I got to be honest with you. I I love them. I love them all. I mean, some more than others, but I even. I even like the prequels. Here's my thing on it, man. Like, you know, uh, my youngest is six. I take him to all the superhero movies, all that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, like, I just love them. They're just fun, man. Like, like I don't, I don't watch, I don't watch Star Wars to sit there and be like, oh, compared to Citizen Kane. You know what I mean? But like, I, it's just fun, and not there's not many things that are just good clean fun that you could take your youngest or right. oldest anybody to you know what i mean well that's what i didn't like about rogue one is that it was not fun at all yeah there it was, was a da- no, it was a downer there was no like joy to it it was just uh and you know exactly what's gonna happen right uh this one we can say spoilers for but i think it's pretty obvious uh, <laughs> yeah. You know exactly what's going to happen because you know they get the plans for the Death Star because they have them in a movie you've already seen. Yeah. And that's not to say like prequels can't work and you can't tell that story in an interesting way. I just don't think they did. Plus, mm. the you also know the big ending because none of those characters are in other Star Wars movies. Like, <laughs> yeah. like oh, yeah. are they gonna are they gonna get off that planet? Did nope. was Jin Erso in Episode <laughs> Four? No. Like, yeah. Yeah. Pretty obvious how this is gonna go. The I Darth also Vader like scene that. in that one was nasty, though. The what? The Darth Vader scene in, in Rogue I was, One. I was about to complain about that next. Uh, oh, man. Thing, he gets <laughs> he gets the best moment in the movie with that, but he's the bad guy. Like I forget who it was, but they compared it to the movie Glory, uh, really? the Matthew Broderick, Denzel Washington, yeah, uh, uh, Civil War movie. Yep. Where so you're following this group of Civil War soldiers who are put together on a mission that is supposed to fail. Uh, no one expects these guys to pull off anything, uh, and then they get there and they have this huge battle, and they pull it off. I'm not, you know, they don't all make it, but they they do what they set out to do. Uh, so compa- imagine if you in the middle of that battle. Some super huge badass rebel soldier shows up and just starts gunning people down, and everyone's mm. cheering for the bad guy. Like it doesn't yeah. fit with the rest <laughs> of that movie, right? I get like, it. Like people who are fans of Star Wars, you know, you just like watching a Star Wars character do a cool thing. And it, I mean, yes, that was a gr- very well put together scene of Darth Vader <sighs> mowing people down. But I don't. I mean, it doesn't make sense in the context of that movie on its own that he's even in it. Uh, let alone he gets, you know, the money shot of right. tearing people apart. 
Okay. But I happen. understand also that I'm in the minority of not liking that movie, and uh, no one else seems to agree with me that Darth Vader should not have been in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I got to disagree with you there, too. But I get that a lot. But you like the last movie, so did I. A lot of fans didn't. Critics loved it, so who knows? Everybody have to make their own decision. It is, it, it's a great movie, and uh, I can't yeah. wait for the, the next people uh, can, episode. You know, people can like or not like whatever they want but i just i don't understand so just the, the i don't want to complain about the the thing the specific thing that i've seen people say because that one is kind of spoilery right but uh i don't know if they're wrong it's great <laughs> all right well i'm actually again. gonna see it again later today because i'm taking my my nephews are you really yeah yeah, I'm, I, I'm going to have to see it again because I went opening night and I went at 8 o'clock and my little guy fell asleep at the end and he's uh, so mad that he didn't get to see uh, like what happened with Luke and stuff like that. So Yeah. So I don't know if that's a spoiler, but I mean, I'm, whatever. I mean, you can say a thing happened to one of the main characters yeah. All right. of a movie. <laughs> you didn't say what happens. You just yeah. said a thing. I didn't say that. I, he they revealed him to really be Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Oh, spoiler. Oh. I always complain. Although uh, I get upset when people expect the entire world to go out of its way to protect them from a spoiler. That always drives. <laughs> me. Yeah. It's not my job to keep information from you. Right. But I'm also I'm not a monster, so there's like a grace period. <laughs> yeah. So if it's a movie, I would say you have opening weekend. Like people shouldn't yeah. be ruining stuff. But after that, like if it means that much to you that you're going to get upset if you find out a thing that happened, that yeah, you would have watched. You need to make it a priority in your life to go see it. And if you don't, then that's your fault, not mine. I mean, I don't go like blindly shouting movie plot points places, right. but like. I'm happy to tell people that Kevin Spacey is Kaiser Sose. In <laughs> he's uh, a lot more than that. And that yeah, <laughs> that movie came out decades ago. If you've not right. seen The Usual Suspects, <laughs> right? And you have led your life in such a way that you've avoided a movie for 30 years, so you have no claim. <laughs> and, and now you're mad to get upset that someone told you what happened. You've had uh, literally decades. Yeah, Shit. it's a pretty good movie, even though uh, Kevin Spacey sucks now. Yeah, which sucks because he was my favorite actor. Yeah, I mean, he was my favorite. Yeah, really. one thing, still be a bad person. That's so, true. Like, as we're finding out in in waves now. Yeah, I, I, I still, man. Like, I feel guilty. Like you, and then he tried to he tried to pull the old Jim McGreevy. Like, oh, I'm a gay American. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and uh, yeah, you also kind of touched some little kid, dude. Yeah, that's yeah. not not cool. that's not a good reason, my guy. Yeah, I just gonna tell you, you're you're officially my favorite comedian now. So I yeah, I'm just. Please, I hope I never find out anything. You're not, you're not drugging people or exposing yourself. No, that I don't know. Okay, when all good. this started happening, I genuinely like. I sit around now and think, like, what's the thing that could come out about me? That would be worst? <laughs> I do that too. I actually had a call my wife the one day. I'm like, hey, just uh, like 
I know I wasn't always like the best guy and stuff. I said, but I, I, I never like, right? Like I never sexually assaulted anybody, right? And she's like, not that I know of. I was like, oh, okay. I just like when I was pursuing you, like I didn't, right? I didn't sexually assault you, right? I just, we just want to be clear. Yeah, she you don't like, want to no. like. So that's good. I mean, there's. I'm sure there's stuff that everyone's done that they're not particularly proud of, but like, I don't think I've done any weird crimes that I'm unaware of. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's I, stuff I, that I did where it's like, oh yeah, I should not have done that, just because it's embarrassing and like, it's embarrassing for me and like might have made somebody feel uncomfortable at how stupid I was being, but right. I wasn't like drugging anybody. Or, yeah. That's so bad. Okay, but you don't want to get touched. Like that Hannibal Burris that want to get touched. That you just put put the work in and find a person <laughs> who wants you to touch them. Exactly. Because then it's nice for everybody. Exactly. That's uh, good words to live by. Yeah. Don't be so, a weird creep. That's right. See you again. Not only are you entertaining, you're learning about stand-up comedy, and people listening to this are learning how to make a comedy album, they are also getting life lessons from you. Yeah. You're Don't a giver. Buddy. So you're going to have, um, you're gonna have uh, Tyler Rothrock come on the, the podcast uh, one day. You're going to tell him to? Yeah, I will. Right. Uh, as, as the representative for his <laughs> record label, I will, I will make him do it. I'm sure he'd be happy to come on anyway. Comedians love awesome. any opportunity we get to talk about ourselves. That's awesome. I uh, I actually had an idea for a comedy show. I was trying to think. Of, I, I wanted to do a comedy show that wasn't funny, and therefore that is the actual joke. There's a lot of those. I don't think they're necessarily <laughs> on purpose. Not funny. <laughs> um, yeah, but see, like the, it, that's a the you know. The, uh, there's there's two sides. Uh, what is that? The, the double entendre or whatever. That mm-hmm. uh, uh, it it maybe it's purposely done. Maybe I'm just awful. But that's the whole thing that makes it funny is the fact that it's not funny. Very highbrow. Yeah, there's uh, Kyle Mooney does a lot of that stuff on Saturday Night Live with varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Saturday Night Live's hit or miss a lot. Did you watch it last night with Ky- uh, with uh, Kevin Hart? No, oh, I was at a I was at a show at Steel Stacks. Actually, oh, that's last right. Night. Yeah, yeah, you said that. Yeah, it was, I I watched it today on YouTube. It was all right. It was pretty funny. Yeah, Kevin I probably Hart's watched. I I hardly ever watch it the night of. It's hard for parents. It's on too late. Yeah, well, I mean, I I purposely stay up late. Uh, just because then, if I'm doing a a show somewhere at night, I don't want to be sleepy. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'd, I'd rather. I'd, I would much rather just fast forward through the musical guests. Is a is a big reason yeah. that I would rather watch it next day. Foo Fighters was on too, though they were awesome. Yeah, I would actually. I would. I will probably happily watch the Foo Fighters performance on they, Saturday. They did. They it's did. Usually, um, people that I, I I'm not a big music guy to begin with. Right. It's usually people I've never heard of or care about. Well, it, when you do watch, watch the uh, they did a, a like a medley of <laughs> Everlong, uh, and then yeah, I saw a headline in, about that. that yeah, went into some Christmas songs, and then they finished up with the the Charlie Brown Christmas. Theme. It was it was awesome. It was a, one of the better things I've seen musically in a long time. It was really cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'll probably watch that 
tonight, actually, because I'm taking, like I said, I'm taking my nephews to the Star Wars later, and I got to go do some family stuff in a little bit. Nice. I'll get to. So everybody can check you out on uh, New Year's Eve up in Wilkes-Barre at Mohegan Sun and Nerd Night every third Thursday at Steel Stacks. Yep. Um, every Thursday at that every Thursday at eight at Steel Stacks, there's a, a a comedy show of some kind going on. Okay. Uh, I don't I don't remember the schedule, but it's like the first Thursday is this show, the second Thursday is this other one. I know the third is mine. But a lot of my friends are doing a lot of fun and interesting stuff there as well. Well, if you're in the Lehigh Valley area, Hundred and County area, check out uh, check out Steel Stacks on Thursdays if you're looking for some comedy. And if it's the third Thursday, you'll see uh, Nerd Night with Glenn Tickle. Yeah, you can come see uh, Ben Youngerman, my nemesis, who I was talking about earlier, is giving a, a Nerd Night talk. Oh, nice. This, this month. Uh, he works as a as a mascot for <laughs> like sports teams and stuff. That's awesome. Like uh, he's going to talk about chicken. that. Yeah, uh, he works for like the the, the Phantoms. Oh, nice! Uh, yeah, and, uh, the Iron Pigs and stuff. So he he's going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about uh, a series of murders that happened <laughs> in the Philippines. Uh, because people would sing Frank Sinatra's My Way at karaoke, but they would do a bad job and get killed. Uh, uh, keep so going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that because it's such a weird, because it's, I heard about it and it seemed like one of those things where it's just a weird urban legend. Like this is obviously not true, but it is, but it's also, oh, it's questionable. Like, how true it is like is that the only reason these people got killed but it is an objective fact that these people who got killed all did my way badly at karaoke mm. and it's oh good thing they never met my grandma because my grandma used to sing that song all the time and she wasn't much of a singer <laughs> but <laughs> i've been practicing i've been practicing it on violin because i'm gonna play it i can't nice. sing very well uh, I'm ter- like singing publicly is my biggest fear. Like I will stand in front of a crowd of any size and tell them jokes and not think twice about it. Mm-hmm. But the idea of getting up and singing in front of people uh, is terrifying. But I will get up and play the violin bad for people. That I don't okay. mind doing. There you have it. That's uh, well, I mean, I you are now officially going to be my uh, my longest episode, and it was awesome. So thank oh, you. Man. Does, that, does that mean I'm talking to you? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I, I feel bad. I felt like I, I took a bunch of your time, man. But it, it was really awesome. I, uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, this was so, fun. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. Tell uh, you know, I think Tyler follow, followed me on Twitter and vice versa. So uh, tell him I'll, I'll be in touch. I think that uh, you know, it'll probably be up. This episode will probably be up in a couple of days. So I'll uh, make sure I, I let you know. And it's going to be on iTunes and all that stuff. So. For sure, yeah, yeah. I'll let people know. I'll talk to him and uh, Jason Brown. Uh, he's the next album my label's putting mm-hmm. out uh, next month. Uh, I think January fifth. His album comes out. It's called oh, jokes nice. through the bathroom door. And it, what is it uh, called? I'm sorry. What jokes through the bathroom door? Huh. Uh, Interesting. That's very good. I think we also recorded at Steel Stacks. 
think people nice. will like. Awesome. So January fifth, Jason Brown's album comes out, and uh, I'll make sure that these both of them, man, definitely please come on and you know come on again, man. This was fun. Yeah, anytime. And I'm 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 definitely I'm gonna check out uh I'm gonna check you out on Nerd Night. When when is the next Nerd Night? Uh, Thursday, December twenty first at oh okay uh, eight o'clock. All right. Well, I'm gonna try to make that one. It'll be fun. Jason's doing a set, and he's going to talk about uh, joke writing. Uh, I believe his plan is he's going to write a joke on stage from, like, start to finish. That That's pretty uh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait. So, once again, everybody, this is Glenn Tickle. Glenn, thank you, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'll, I'll see you soon. Thank you for checking out another episode of Another Mediocre Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes or check us out on Spreaker.com. You can also check out AccordingToLewBlog.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.